Chapter Two of the Reef. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. The Reef by Edith Wharton. Chapter Two. Don't you remember me now? At Mrs. Murrett's, she threw the question at Darrow across the table of the quiet coffee room to which, after a vainly prolonged quest for her trunk, he had suggested taking her for a cup of tea. In this musty retreat she had removed her dripping hat, hung it on the fender to dry, and stretched herself on tiptoe in front of the round eagle-crowned mirror above the mantel vases of dried immortals, while she ran her fingers comb-wise through her hair. The gesture had acted on Darrow's numb feelings as the glow of the fire acted on his circulation, and when he had asked, Aren't your feet wet too? and, after frank inspection of the stout-shot sole, she had answered cheerfully, no luckily i had my new boots and he began to feel that human intercourse would still be tolerable if it were always as free from formality the removal of his companion's hat besides provoking this reflection gave him the first full sight of her face and this was so favourable that the name she now pronounced fell on him with quite a disproportionate shock of dismay oh miss murrett's was it there he remembered her now of course remembered her as one of the shadowy siding presences in the background of that awful house in chelsea one of the dumb appendages of the shrieking unescapable mrs murrett into whose talents he had fallen in the course of his headlong pursuit of lady ulrica crispin ah the taste of stale folly how insipid it was yet how it clung i used to pass you on the stairs she reminded him yes he had seen her slip by he recalled now as he dashed up to the drawing-room in quest of lady ulrica the thought made him steal a longer look how could such a face have been merged in the murrett mob its fugitive slanting lines that lent themselves to all manner of tender tilts and foreshortenings had the freakish grace of some young head of the italian comedy the hair stood up from her forehead in a boyish elf-lock and its colour matched her auburn eyes flecked with black and the little brown spot on her cheek between the ear that was meant to have a rose behind it and the chin that should have rested on a ruff when she smiled the left corner of her mouth went up a little higher than the right and her smile began in her eyes and ran down to her lips in two lines of light he had dashed past that to reach lady ulrica crispin but of course you wouldn't remember me she was saying my name is viner sophie viner not remember her of course he did he was genuinely sure of it now you are mrs murrett's niece he declared she shook her head no not even that only her reader her reader do you mean to say she ever reads mrs viner enjoyed his wonder dear no but i wrote notes and made up the visiting book and walked the dog and saw bars for her darrow groaned that must have been rather bad yes but nothing like as bad as being her niece that i can well believe i am glad to hear he added that you put it all in the past tense she seemed to droop a little at the illusion then she lifted her chin with a jerk of defiance yes all is at an end between us we have just parted in tears but not in silence just parted do you mean to say you have been there all this time ever since you used to come there to see lady ulrica does it seem to you so awfully long ago the unexpectedness of the thrust as well as its doubtful taste chilled his growing enjoyment of her chatter he had really been getting to like her had recovered under the candid approval of her eye his usual sense of being a personable young man with all the privileges pertaining to the state instead of the anonymous rag of humanity he had felt himself in the crowd on the pyre 
it annoyed him at that particular moment to be reminded that naturalness is not always consonant with taste she seemed to guess his thought you don't like my saying that you came for lady ulrica she asked leaning over the table to pour herself a second cup of tea he liked her quickness at any rate it's better he laughed than your thinking it came for mrs murrett oh we never thought anybody came for mrs murrett it was always for something else the music or the cook and when there was a good one or the other people generally one of the other people i see she was amusing and that in his present mood was more to his purpose than the exact shade of her taste it was odd too to discover suddenly that the blurred tapestry of mrs murrett's background had all the while been alive and full of eyes now with a pair of them looking into his he was conscious of a queer reversal of perspective who weren't the we were you a cloud of witnesses there were many good of us she smiled let me see who was there in your time mrs bolt and mademoiselle and professor didymus and the polish countess don't you remember the polish countess she crystal-gazed and played accompaniments and mrs murrett chucked her because mrs dionymus accused her of hypnotizing the professor but of course you don't remember we were all invisible to you but we could see and we all used to wonder about you again darrow felt a redness in his temples what about me well whether it was you or she who he winced but hid his disapproval it made the time pass to listen to her and what if i may ask was your conclusion well mrs bolt and mademoiselle and the countess naturally thought it was she but professor didymus and jimmy Brands, especially jimmy just a moment who on earth is jimmy Brands? she exclaimed in wonder you were absorbed not to remember jimmy Brands. he must have been right about you after all she let her amused scrutiny dwell on him but how could you she was false from head to foot false in spite of time and satiety the male instinct of ownership rose up and repudiated the charge mrs viner caught his look and laughed oh i only meant externally you see she often used to come to my room after tennis or to touch up in the evenings when they were going on and i assure you she took apart like a puzzle in fact i used to say to jimmy just to make him wild i'll bet you anything you like there's nothing wrong because i know she'd never dare un she broke the word in two and her quick blush made her face like a shallow petalled rose shedding to a deeper pink of the centre the situation was saved for darrow by an abrupt rush of memories and he gave way to a mirth which she as frankly echoed of course she gasped through her laughter i only said it to tease jimmy her amusement obscurely annoyed him oh you are all alike he exclaimed moved by an unaccountable sense of disappointment she caught up in a flash she didn't miss things you say that because you think i'm spiteful and envious yes i was envious of lady ulrica oh not on account of you or jimmy Brands, simply because she had almost all the things i've always wanted clothes and fun and motors and admiration and yachting and paris why paris alone would be enough and how do you suppose a girl can see that sort of thing about her day after day and never wonder why some women who don't seem to have any more right to it have it all tumbled into their laps while others are writing dinner invitations and straightening out accounts and copying visiting lists and finishing golf stockings and matching ribbons and seeing that dogs get the sulphur one looks in one's glass after all she launched the closing words at him on a cry that lifted above them the petulance of vanity but his sense of her words was lost in the surprise of her face 
under the flying clouds of her excitement it was no longer a shallow flower-cup but a darkening gleaming mirror that might give back strange depths of feeling the girl had stuff in her he saw it and she seemed to catch the perception in his eyes that's the kind of education i got at mrs murrett's and i never had any other she said with a shrug good lord were you there so long five years i stuck it out longer than any of the others and she spoke as though it were something to be proud of well thank god you are out of it now again a just perceptible shadow crossed her face yes i am out of it now fast enough and what if i may ask are you going to do next she brooded a moment behind drooped lids then with a touch of hauteur i am going to paris to study for the stage the stage darrow stared at her dismayed all his confused contradictory impressions assumed a new aspect at this announcement and to hide his surprise he added lightly ah then you will have paris after all hardly lady ulrica's paris it's not likely to be roses roses all the way it's not indeed real compassion prompted him to continue have you any any influence you can count on she gave a somewhat flippant little laugh none but my own i've never had any other to count on he passed over the obvious reply but have you any idea how the profession is overcrowded i know i'm tried i have a very clear idea but i couldn't go on as i was of course not but since you say you'd stuck it out longer than any of the others couldn't you at least have held on till you were sure of some kind of an opening she made no reply for a moment then she turned a listless glance to the rain-beaten window oughtn't we be starting she asked with a lofty assumption of indifference that might have been lady ulrica's darrow surprised by the change but accepting her rebuff as a phase of what he guessed to be a confused and tormented mood rose from his seat and lifted her jacket from the chair-back on which she had hung it to dry as he held it toward her she looked up at him quickly the truth is we quarrelled she broke out and i left last night without my dinner and without my salary ah he groaned with a sharp perception of all the sordid dangers that might attack such a break with mrs murrett and without the character she added as she slipped her arms into the jacket and without the trunk as it appears but didn't you say that before going there'd be time for another look at the station there was time for another look at the station but the look again resulted in disappointment since her trunk was nowhere to be found in the huge heap disgorged by the newly arrived london express the fact caused mrs viner a moment's perturbation but she promptly adjusted herself to the necessity of proceeding on her journey and her decision confirmed darrow's vague resolve to go to paris instead of retracing his way to london miss viner seemed cheered at the prospect of his company and sustained by his offer to telegraph to charing cross for the missing trunk and he left her to wait in the fly while he hastened back to the telegraph office the inquiry dispatched he was turning away from the desk when another thought struck him and he went back and indited a message to his servant in london if any letters with french postmark received since departure forward immediately to terminus hotel gardinor paris and he rejoined miss viner and they drove off through the rain to the pier End of chapter two recording by ellie august two thousand and nine